Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Hey TGP NYC, I love you. I've been thinking about you nonstop, been praying for you. Hope you've had a great week this week as we're navigating through uncharted territory. I hope you've spent uh, time with the Lord and you've had a good time uh, worshiping and praying and, and being in His Word. Um, we're in part three today of the Chronicles of the Coronavirus. I hope this series has been um, helpful for you as we uh, navigate through these crazy times. I, I feel like my job right now is to just uh, help us uh, kind of uh, go through this season of our lives uh, and try to put some sort of uh, sense to it from a spiritual perspective. Um, you know, I'm going through this just like you are. And so um, I just hope that the Holy Spirit just uh, leads me, directs me and, and gives me wisdom so that I can share it with you guys. Uh, well, look with me at Psalm 91 and verse number one um, today. Psalm 91 verse one, and it says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You may remember from last week that the word dwells here means to sit down. The second part of verse number one says, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew word abide means to stay overnight. Um, this is an unhurried language, to dwell and abide. Uh, we live with such a hurried pace of life, especially for those of us that live in New York City. Um, we have to have everything faster and more efficient. Uh, we have to have faster internet speed. Um, it, at the coffee shop, you better know exactly what you wanna order or uh, the barista will pass right by you. Uh, when the light turns green, you better be accelerating or someone's gonna be honking their horn right behind you. Even church, we're now streamlining services to cater to a shorter attention span. Living in New York City for almost five years now, when I'm in another town, slow walkers, oh my goodness, they frustrate me so bad. I just wanna, I just wanna tell them to hurry up or move to the side so I can get by. Uh, but here in Psalm 91, God is sharing with us that his love language is quality time. And quality time, you cannot hurry through quality time. It's the language of resting in him and not to be too quick uh, to, to leaving his presence and, and not to be too quick to stop hanging out with him. Uh, for those of us quarantining, what else are we going to do? Uh, are we going to continue to watch Netflix? Are we going to continue to watch another uh, rerun of our favorite sports game from, from 10 years ago? Are we going to continue to scroll endlessly through Facebook and Instagram? Are we going to watch another meaningless YouTube video? What else are we going to do? We're at home. Uh, we're, 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 the, the, our pace has been slowed. What else are we going to do but spend more quality time with God? Last week, I talked about how all of the promises in Psalm 91 were conditional based on what we did with verse number one. Uh, I might be off, but I counted 27 promises as I read through the chapter Psalm 91. If we dwell in the secret place, dot, 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 all of these promises of protection will be for us. Uh, here's what I've been grappling with this week as I see the amount of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 rise and the death toll rise and, 
as the desperation in, in, in NYC for more hospital beds arise and we see organizations like Samaritan Purse uh, making makeshift hospitals in Central Park as we see all of these things happening. I've been grappling with this question right here. Um, how do I reconcile the promises in Psalm 91 for protection, yet see both Christians and non-Christians suffering from this virus and even dying from this virus? How can I reconcile these two things? Uh, and I have a hunch that a lot of people listening are wondering where God is at in this moment and in this time. Uh, I think of a doctor or nurse who contracted the virus after caring for someone that was sick with the virus. I, I think of some of my pastor friends in the city that are trying to lead their church while they're also suffering from the coronavirus themselves. I think of the people who have lost a loved one to a virus, and, and I can't help but wonder if what I have been grappling with is exactly what they have been grappling with. God, if you provide these promises of protection to the believer, then why are so many believers getting sick and struggling or having family members get sick? If a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not approach me, then why does it seem like it is approaching me? One of the things that helps me reconcile this is to understand that many of the promises in the Bible are to be prayed in this life, but might not be fulfilled in this life. Some of the promises may only be fulfilled in eternity. Some promises may only be fulfilled on the other side of earthly death. But as believers, our anchor is a hope that this, what we see around us, what we're dealing with this in our world, in our country, in our cities, in our families, what we're dealing with in our own lives, that's not all that there is. There's something beyond what we can see in the here and now. To go along with this, something else that is really helpful to understand uh, is, is that anything that does inflict pain and suffering on me is only temporary. It is not going to last forever. The believers who got sick with the coronavirus and ultimately lost their lives, uh, tragically, right now, if they're believers, if they have a relationship with Jesus, they are completely healed, they are completely restored, and they are completely happy in the presence of Jesus. They are living without sickness, suffering, or sadness right now, currently, right now. That is the hope that we have. And thirdly, the ultimate evil and suffering that can inflict my life is eternal separation from God. And that will never be my life. That will never overtake me because my salvation is safe and secure in Christ. And I say that to say this, we should pray, believe, and meditate upon the promises of Psalm 91. We should pray for protection. We should believe for protection. We should believe that, that uh, as believers, that, that God does cover us and, and he does bring us under the shadow of his wings. And we should believe all of those things. If you've been silently wondering where God is in the midst of everything happening right now, I want you to rest assured that God is present and God is working on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Last week, we talked about two enemies of the seeker place, 
external noise and internal noise. And I said that in order to enter into the secret place, we must unplug from the external noise in our lives. And, 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 and some examples of external noises are our, our smartphones, uh, social media, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, different distractions in our lives, uh, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, all of the different things that are, that are distractions and are consuming large amounts of time, video games. And, and, and in order to enter the secret place, we must unplug from these external noises in our lives. But this week, I want to speak about the internal noise that we must silence. And that isn't so easy to unplug from because uh, internal noise is constantly playing inside of our mind. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at, this internal noise constantly plays and replays in our minds. This internal noise that I speak about is the mental jargon that won't stop running rampant through our minds and through our thoughts. Uh, the regrets of past failures, the shame of past mistakes, replaying over and over what you should have coulda and would have done if you could do things over, if you could go back in time and redo uh, maybe a season of your life or maybe an instance in your life. The, the feelings of loneliness that are haunting you right now as the quarantine has been extended. The constant state of low-grade anxiety that we live with. The fear of the unknown and the ache in our hearts caused by the uncertainty that we are living in right now. Now, so what do we do? Well, I'd like to take you to a passage in the Old Testament to gain some insight on this. And it's 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 13. Then he, meaning God, said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, they wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? There are so many voices coming at us right now. The voice of our government leaders the voice of the media, the, the voice of pastors and, and spiritual leaders in our lives, uh, the voices of family members telling us what we should and should not do, um, all with good intention. But the most important voice we should be seeking right now in this moment is the still, small voice of God. He's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He is speaking in a still, small voice voice. Are you listening? As COVID-19 continues to rage through our cities and through our nation and through our world, the still small voice of God will calm our hearts down. But we have to be listening for that voice. And, 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 and the, the difficult thing is that all of these other voices around us can become distractions to us listening and hearing the still small voice of God. How do we hear that still small voice of God that he is desiring to speak to us with during this quarantine and during this entire season that we're going through? The answer is the spiritual discipline of solitude. Solitude defined as 
the state of being or living alone, uh, seclusion, absence of human activity, um, secluding to an unfrequented place. And just to be clear, based on this definition, I am not advocating that we run to some mountain somewhere and live alone absent from any human interaction. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we have to become hermits or monks and, and, and not associate with anybody in order to fulfill this spiritual discipline. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, defines solitude as when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul, to let it grow into health and maturity. We need to have regular rhythms in our lives when we unplug from the noise and frenetic pace of life in order to spend quality time with the Father nourishing our own soul. As we embrace solitude, we need to be careful though not to mistake solitude with isolation. Solitude is engagement, isolation is escape. Solitude is safety, isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation is closing yourself off to God and to people. We isolate ourselves in order to escape the problems in our lives. Solitude is when we nourish our souls in order to confront the problems in our lives. One of the major heart issues that I think God is revealing through this quarantine is that a lot of Christians, if we're being honest and we strip away everything from us, if we're being honest with ourselves, we feel separated from God. We don't feel close to him. We don't have a vibrant relationship with him. We feel disconnected from him. We, we feel like we lack intimacy with him. We've been masking a lack of intimacy with God by simply doing stuff for him. We've replaced intimacy with activity. We must have both. Maybe we've been so busy with life that we haven't even noticed the fact that we don't feel that close to him and we've been neglecting him. Henry Nouwen, the Catholic priest and spiritual life guru said this, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. I think some of us are finding out through having all the things that made us busy, like work and social activities and, and school and, and church gatherings and, and all of these things that we just took for granted, all of these things that brought people together we, as we have, have been having them stripped away from us. I think we've been noticing that our relationship and intimacy with God isn't as strong as we thought it was. Because before we were able to avoid even thinking about it because of our pace of life. But as we've been slowed down and everything that, 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 uh, that kind of added to that, that crazy fast pace of life has been stripped away, we are not able to avoid the obvious anymore. Listen to the language Jesus used in describing this in John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
The Greek word here for abide is the same Hebrew word for abide in Psalm 91.1 that we read at the beginning of this message. And it means endurance produced through suffering. To remain in the same place over a period of time. This word abide that Jesus uses, it means to dwell. So, so it doesn't mean that you, it, it's not a hurried hurried language. It's not a hurry up and, and let's just spend time together and then move on to the next thing. Jesus is reinforcing what the author of Psalm 91 said. To abide in Christ means to remain faithfully with him through pain, through anguish, through struggle. And as we do that, he will produce fruit in our lives. As we abide and sit and dwell in solitude with God on a consistent basis. That is the place where our soul will feel most alive to God. Abiding in Christ looks like undistracted time daily set apart to spend time with God in prayer, meditation, and scripture reading. And it's in that place where your soul will become receptive to God, will become alive to God, will become hungry for more of God. It's where your soul will wake up from the sleep and the slumber that it's been in for a long time. If we choose to neglect these practices of silence and solitude and abiding in the vine, it will leave us feeling distant from God. Um, we all have people in our lives who are friends and acquaintances, right? The difference between a friend and an acquaintance is two words, simple, quality, time. Uh, my wife's major love language is quality time. And so she needs a, a quality conversation where there's substance. Or if we're watching something together, oh my goodness, when we're, you know, one of the, one of our rhythms or routines that is that we, before we go to bed, we'll watch a show together. And she gets so mad at me if I'll fall asleep. And, uh, the truth is, I'm not trying to hurt her, but because she's so quality time, she feels like if we're watching something and I'm on my phone or I'm like dozing in and out, she feels hurt because her love language tank is not being filled by me at that moment. And so, and so that, that, that's what, that's the kind of, of time that God wants with you and you and I, not a distracted time where we're on our phone and we're thinking about something else, but where we have some undistracted time of solitude and silence where he can refresh us and speak to us and fill us with his spirit and where we can open up our heart to him. God doesn't want to be in the acquaintance category and we cannot afford for God to be in the acquaintance category, especially with what we're going through right now. If we neglect silence and solitude, we will feel distant from ourselves. Not only will we feel distant from God, we'll also feel distant from ourselves. Our calling and vision for our lives will become foggy. We get sucked into simply reacting to the urgent things in life. We spend all of our time putting out fires instead of taking new ground. Another symptom is that we will live with a constant state of physical and emotional exhaustion. Many of us are running through life on fumes. You are on E. You never, you never get to that, the, the full point. You're, you're constantly running through life on fumes, just getting by. Our spiritual, emotional, and physical tanks 
are empty. We lag through our days because we have no energy. And so we just get by. Another symptom of neglecting silence and solitude with God is we turn to escapes. We're vulnerable to the escapes in our lives. When we neglect prayer and solitude, we will turn to escapes like TV, porn, alcohol, Instagram, or whatever else we can fill our minds with due to the emptiness that we're feeling. We become vulnerable to the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to isolate us so that he can start to destroy our spiritual lives and our emotional lives and and, and so that he can steal our joy and steal our peace and he can completely uh, destroy us through distraction. That's what the enemy wants to do right now. And another symptom is we live our lives from an unhealthy emotional space that affects our marriages, that affects our parenting, that affects our uh, friendships, it affects uh, the quality in which we do our work, and it affects every other area of our lives. But just as there are symptoms and consequences for neglecting silence, solitude, and quality time with God, there are also symptoms and consequences for embracing this spiritual discipline. We find our quiet places. For me, it's in my living room at 5.30 in the morning before my wife or any of the kids wake up. It's in the dark where, where I just have no distractions and I can just sit or lay or kneel in the presence of my father and spend time with him. For you, it might be a park. It might be a, a space in your apartment or a room in your home where that's your quiet place. Uh, another, another symptom of, of, or benefit, I should say, of spending time in solitude is that we start to feel. We start to feel. The feelings and emotions that have been shoved deep down in your heart begin to come to the surface. And as you bring those to the Lord in surrender, gratefulness, joy, and peace start to enter your hearts and your mind. You, you begin to gain the strength to deal with the things that you have shoved down in your heart and you haven't dealt with yet. You, you begin to gain the strength from the Spirit of God to begin to deal with those things. We, we start to feel His love for us. We start to feel His warmth towards us. We start to feel His loving arms that are wrapped around us. We, we start to feel the love of a father in our lives. We, we, we start to feel all of these things that we haven't felt in a long, long time. We feel his gentleness and tenderness as he nourishes our soul. We begin to hear. We begin to hear. Uh, you remember that still small voice we read about in First Kings earlier? Yeah, that one. We begin to hear his voice. His voice becomes louder than the other voices in our head. It becomes louder than the constant chatter we live with. His voice becomes louder than the voice of fear. His voice becomes louder than the voice of insecurity that shouts that we aren't good enough, that we aren't talented enough, that we aren't attractive enough, that we aren't smart enough, that we aren't gifted enough, that we aren't intelligent enough. His voice begins to overtake those other voices that have paralyzed some of us. We begin to hear his voice that tells us that in Christ, we are new creations. 
We begin to hear his voice telling us that although we may be suffering in this world, we can take heart because Christ has overcome the world. We will begin to hear his voice directing and leading our steps into his will and purpose for our lives. We'll begin to hear his voice of warning instead of mindlessly running into dangerous, unhealthy, dysfunctional places over and over and over again. We'll be able to be sensitive to his spirit instead of just aimlessly running into those sinful patterns that we're constantly finding ourselves in. His voice will start to become louder than those voices that are that are leading us into dark places that, that have got us into a dark place in our soul where we find ourselves right now. As we as we as we um, uh, as we move away from the distraction and the noise and get into that quiet place with God, he will lead us to still waters. He will make us sit in green pastures. He, he will lead us away from those sinful, destructive patterns, and he will lead us into life with him. Revelation 2, 4, and I'm almost finished here. It says this, nevertheless, I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking, that you have left your first love. This is Jesus speaking through the apostle John to the church in Ephesus. In the preceding verses before he makes this statement, Jesus says, I see your activity and I see your good deeds. I see that you are not afraid of calling out the sin in others. I see that you are passionate about having good, solid doctrine and your theology is up to par. I see all of that. I see that you have gone through some things and, and have continued to persevere. But this I have against you. You are doing all the things that you should be doing uh, on the outside. You are very active in ministry. You are very active in good works. But I have this against you. You have lost your first love. Church, what we are going through right here and right now in this moment is an opportunity for us to recapture that first love, to recapture that passion for Jesus, to recapture that love we used to have for Jesus, the, 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 to recapture the desire we used to have to spend time with God in his word and to spend time in prayer and to spend time worshiping and, and to spend time prayer walking our neighborhoods and believing that, that God would, would, would come and bring a great awakening and, and would wake up the hearts that are, that are asleep and the hearts that are dead in their sins. That, that, that we would recapture that love for lost souls, that we, we would recapture for spending time with Jesus, that we would recapture a passion for him that we used to have. A time where we would read the Bible to get to know God more, not just so that we would increase in knowledge. A time when what we did for Jesus was an overflow of our love for him. Not just so that we can be busy, so we can feel good about ourselves. He said, I see all of the activity, but this I have against you, that you've lost your first love in church. This is a very significant moment in time. I believe that Jesus is calling the body of Christ as a whole to recapture that love and that devotion for him that many of us have lost. Many of us, we, we've masked our lack of love for Jesus with activity, but all of that is stripped away. Everything 
uh, we're, we're living in a new normal church and everything that was familiar to us has been stripped away. And this is an opportunity not to shrink back and isolate, not to walk in fear and be paralyzed by fear, not to wonder where God is in this moment, not to lose heart and lose faith. But this is a moment to recapture our love for Jesus, to recapture the why in what we're doing, to recapture a passion for the word of God, where we consume the word of God, not out of a prideful desire to know more, but out of a deep desire to, to intimately know the ways of Jesus, to intimately know and understand the ways of God. That, my friends, is what God is calling us to in this season. Church, the spirit of God is calling us to recapture that first love that we had for Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.com.